well, Lord, if my th if your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are far beyond anything that I can imagine, where does that leave me? It leaves me in the dark. You know, what do I do? Well, I want to bring two kings of Judah to you this morning. King Asa and King Josiah. So you can open your word to Chronicles. We're going to be talking about these two kings. The Second Chronicles 14. How many of you all read in the Old Testament? How many of you all read the Old Testament? Good. Praise God. Good. You know, the Word of God says that He doesn't change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we want to know the character of God, it's like reading a book. Don't you hate it if you're reading a book and someone gives you the ending right away before you've ever finished it? If you never know the plot, if you never know what's going on from the beginning, it's hard to really understand the ending. But God, praise the Lord, has given us His, His entire Word. And we can know the character of God. And I can't think of a better place to know the character of God than in the Old Testament. King Asa was the first king mentioned in the Bible that did right in the eyes of the Lord. How many of you all like to do right in the eyes of the Lord? Everybody said, well, just count my, everybody's hand up, we think. I would think you would like to do right in the eyes of the Lord. There was peace in the land for ten years during his, um, during his reign, and it says he did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed all the foreign altars, he smashed the sacred pillars, he cut down the Asher poles, he commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord. He was a champion for God. In the land of Judah, in, when Asa came into power, he started doing the things that God had commanded. Now, previously, that wasn't necessarily the case. When we first get saved, when we first come to the knowledge of God, we realize that maybe we didn't have it all together like we, maybe we thought we did, you know, as the Spirit draws us. Well, he asked that the, the people keep the commandments and that they seek God, and there was peace in that time. But if we go down into this, into this 14th uh, chapter here, says King Asa, he, he, they make, he makes a statement here, he has 300,000 warriors from the tribe of Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and he had an army of 280,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, both had shields and bows, and both of these armies were composed of well-trained fighting men. But from Ethiopia came Zerah, which the king of Zerah, and he attacked Judah. He attacked with one million men and 300 chariots. How many of you know that that's not a fair? He was outnumbered by over two to one. Two to one, a million people, a million people. But here's what he did. He deployed his armies in the valley north of Mersha, and Asa cried out to the Lord. He said, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God. For we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. What a prayer. 
That's like putting it all in the court of God, isn't it? Huh? That's like taking it all out of our hands and putting it, okay, God, it's in your court. Oh, by the way, did I mention, God, that you're really great? Huh? Did I mention, God, that we don't come against this army but in your name? And, Lord, are you going to let these people talk to you like that? Huh? It's putting that ball in God's court. It's surrender. It's total surrender. The Word of God speaks to us and says, you know, if we're going to live, we've got to die. We've got to humble ourselves before the Lord. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah, and the enemy fled. God showed up. And they says, if you read down in here, they got great plunder. Now, I'm going to kind of go through this, but I would ask that you mine through these scriptures. That you mine this chapter and that you search out and find out, well, you know, get into this word and say, well, who was Asa? What was this guy like? What did God do? Find God. Find God in all that you do. Find God in what you read. Find God in where you go. Find God in all things. And in order to find God, you have got to inquire of Him, don't you? You've got to seek Him. So we find now, especially through the, the religious reforms, if you read about what Asa did uh, during this time and, and what he did for the Lord in bringing his nation to God, there was a great revival that he instigated and he broke down the places and the altars that are Baal and the places that were not of God. In chapter 15, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon, I believe this is verse 15, Azariah, son of Aaron. Now, he was a prophet. He came out to the king of Zasa that was returning from battle. And he says, Listen to me, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him, but if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Now he goes on to speak these things to King Asa, and it says Asa, when he heard these things, he took courage, and he continued to remove all detestable objects and things from, from Israel. It's interesting, this word that he brings to the king. He says, if you... If you seek Him, you'll find Him. We can all agree with that, can't we? But if you abandon Him, He will abandon you. Sometimes we slip away from God, don't we? But we have, we have a promise in the New Testament, don't we? He says that I will never leave you or I will never forsake you. God is near to us. If you read of the kings and you read in the Old Testament, sometimes I remember in my early Christian life, I would read the Old Testament and I'd think, boy, God is, he's nobody to mess with. You know what I mean? I mean, what did these people do that he did that to them? But as you understand the character of God and you start reading about what happens, it's a generational thing. We have a small window, church, we have a small window that we're looking through, and that's our generation, our lifetime. History is an important teacher. And God, who called the people out of darkness, a people after His own name, He meant that they were going to be a light and a testimony to who He was throughout the ages. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, 
when the covenant was made, when the law was given, and God and the elders had a covenant meal with God on the mountain, it was God's purpose. It was His purpose to have a fellowship, to have a personal relationship with each and every person, just as it is now. Unfortunately, we have the people saying, Oh, tell God not to speak to us. Hopefully you're not in this place saying, well, don't speak to me, God. I'll go listen to the preacher. I'll go to Sunday and, and whatever he says I'll do. No, you won't. You won't do it. You won't do it unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Let Jesus be your pastor. Let Jesus be your minister. Does God call you to fellowship? Yes, He does to come in. But you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's only the living Word in our heart that produces fruit. So we've got King Asa. And there he was the first one, the first one mentioned that did right in God's eyes. Now he was, he was really encouraged by that by that word from that prophet. And it said he sacrificed many sheep and they were all happy and they sought the Lord and he did all these wonderful things. He even removed his grandmother as queen mother because uh, she was putting up some uh, rather obscene things in the temple. You can go into that to find out. <laughs> he removed pagan shrines. The final, now, in the 16th year of Asia's reign... Basa, the king of Israel, invaded Judah and fortified Ramoth in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. Now, what did he do? Now, if you'll read about the reforms and everything, he placed the silver and the gold in the things of God's temple. He put them in there, and he, and he did all that which was right in the sight of God, he, the reform and all that. And now, all of a sudden, he's got another war in front of him. He's got a situation going on. And it said he responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. And he seen it, sent it to King Benadad of Aram. This was another king who had a... Uh, had a treaty with the king of Israel. He says, listen, I want you to break the treaty with the, uh, with the king of Israel, and here's all, my, here's all this goodies I'm sending you, all this gold and silver, and I want you to come over to me, and I want you to take this man out of my way. And he says, uh, <laughs> it says down here, he says, break your treaty with him of Israel, so he will leave me alone. Obviously, he had been tormented by the king of Israel. He'd been pestering him. He'd been threatening war and causing problems, he says, so that he will leave me alone. The king did what, what he said he would. He, he, he broke the covenant with the king of Israel, took care of that situation. Now, now on the outside, that's like saying, okay, I've got this situation and I've got this problem, and... Uh, I can pay this guy to take care of it. Okay, I'm going to pay him to take care of it. That's what King Asa did. But here comes the word of the Lord. From hand of the seer came to King Asa and he told him, Because you have put your trust, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of the Lord your God. Listen to what he tells him. Now I want you to listen to this. I want you to consider these words. 
where do I find God in my life here? Have th has this ever happened to me? You missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. You missed your chance. Those are words I do not want to hear. Have you ever done something and you realized you went the wrong way and it didn't quite pan out the way you thought? And you thought, boy, if I'd have just, if I'd have just went this way or that way. How much, do, how much do we trust God? Does, does God know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning? Does God have, can we trust God? Can you unequivocally trust God that He has your best interest at heart, that He is going to do for you beyond what you are even able to imagine? Oh God, I want this over here. But God says, I want to give you this over here. This over here will destroy you. So he says, here he says, you missed your chance to destroy the army. You said, I want this guy to stop bothering me. But you missed your chance to totally annihilate him, to eliminate him so he would stop bothering you. He would never bother you again. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians? He says, don't you remember? Don't you remember the million people in the 300 chariots? Don't you remember when you were outnumbered and God came to your, on your behalf and he destroyed the enemy? And you went in and you got all that plunder, you got all those goodies. You got all the gold and silver. You got everything. You just went in there and just raked it up. A big pile. And it took you all that time to haul it away. Huh? Don't you remember? And he tops it off by saying, What a fool you have been. Ooh. But God. But God. I'm the man. I, I, I'm the one uh, that has done everything right in your eyes. You think we'd have played the played that card, maybe. But I'm the one that's done everything right in your eyes. He says, from now on, you will, you will be at war. <laughs> now, it only gets worse for King Asa. Now, when I'm reading the scripture, I'm reading, here's King Asa. He, he pulls into town. He, he becomes king of Judah, and he makes all these reforms. And the word says right here, it says, he did right that was in the eyes of the Lord. He was the first one mentioned that did right. And he was pleasing to God. But it says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Come on. Huh? After being doing right with everything and being right in the eyes of the Lord, you're going to take me out with a serious foot disease? But listen to what the word says. He did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So he died in the 41st year of his reign. Oh, by the way, when he got this word from the prophet, it made him so mad that he threw him in prison and put him in stock. What happened? What happened to this man? What happens? If we are not careful, we get cold. We move away, we move little by little, a little farther away from God. We stop doing the things that we used to do. We stop honoring God like we used to honor Him. 
We get hardened by the world. So that's King Asa. Now, let's go to Jos Josiah, ruler of Judah. This is 2 Chronicles 34. He was eight years old when he became king. Can you imagine an eight-year-old king? He reigned in Jerusalem, Jerusalem 31 years. And he did that, was, that which was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not, he did not turn away from doing what was right. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he sought the Lord, and in the twelfth year he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying the pagan. Now he did that. He started doing the same thing. He had religious reforms. He destroyed the pagan uh, altars. He, he took away those things that were detestable to God. While they're doing this, and in the, uh, in the temple, Hilga, the priest, uh, he found the book of the law. He found, he found the book of the law. That's like saying, I'm serving, all right, you're serving God, you're serving God for 20 years, and suddenly you find the Bible. Huh? They found the book of the law. And when they opened up the scroll and they started reading the book of the law, they become amazed and it said they took it to the king. And when they read it to the king, it said the king rent his clothes. He rent his clothes and he, was, he says, oh my God. He says, we haven't been doing any of this stuff. God is not for us. We, we haven't been doing none of this. So, he, you know, he started making proclamations. He started saying, we're going to start obeying the law. We're going to start doing this. And his reforms went far and wide. And, he, and, he, and he, the priests, they started uh, purifying themselves. And they started getting right for doing the sacrifices and doing all that was written in the book of the law. He asked, them, he asked one of the priests, he says, go inquire. Go inquire in the temple. Go inquire for me to the Lord. And this is what came back to him. It says, the Lord of God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the curses written in the scroll that was read to the king of Judah will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will be poured out in this place and will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, This is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the message you have heard. You were sorry. You humbled yourself before God when you heard the words against the city of its people. You humbled yourself and tore your clothes in despair. You wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. He said, I will not bring this disaster during your time, but you will die in peace. What happened? What did he do? He repented. What, how did God respond? God responded to a humble, repentant heart when the man wanted to seek the Lord and repented before him when he found out that he was in error and that the people were in error. And God responded in kind and said, I will. It's all through the Old Testament. Sometimes we read this, especially when we read the Old Testament, we think, oh my God, God's so hard. But grace was not dead in the Old Testament. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Grace was alive. 
God labored hard and long, holding back the hand of judgment to the people that he called. So he says, because you have humbled before me, this is, it's not going to happen during your time. The prophecy had already went through. When you read it, you'll find that a prophecy had already been made about God destroying and bringing uh, uh, Israel and Judah. So Josiah's his reforms. He summoned all the elders and he went up in the temple and he started all things going about. And you can read about this. Read in there what he did. In 3520, in 2 Chronicles, after Josiah had finished restoring the temple, King Necho of Israel led his army up from Egypt to do battle on the Euphrates River. And Josiah and his army marched out to fight him. But King Necho sent a message to Josiah with this message. What do you want with me, king of Judah? I have no quarrel with you today. I am on my way to fight another nation, and God has told me to hurry. Do not interfere with God, who is with me, or he will destroy you. Now, this is a pagan nation. But Josiah refused to listen to Necho, probably because he thought, well, you're not the chosen people. whom God had indeed spoken. God raises up nations for judgment, to judge others. Well, it says that the king went out, and ultimately an archer hit him, and it was a fatal wound, and he died. He was one that the Word says he did right in the eyes of the Lord all his life. What happened? What happened? I'm telling you, sometimes we run headlong into situations and problems without inquiring of the Lord. Now, had he inquired of the Lord, he would have never been out there. I, I would hope not, huh? I mean, if the Lord says don't go, maybe we shouldn't go, huh? Maybe we should listen to God. And we get what? We get right in the middle of God's business. This king said, don't come out here. I don't have anything to do with you. I'm not fighting against you today. God has told me to go, and he told me to go quickly. In other words, he was using that nation to bring judgment on the other nation, and he told him to go. And he says, don't come because it'll, it'll go bad for you. Don't fight against God. Now, it would be interesting if you could have been back in that situation, if you could have sat in fellowship with this other king and asked him exactly what he thought about God how he stood with God. What was his thoughts? Proverbs 8.17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Have you heard that before? Yes. Those of you who seek me early shall find me. What, do you, what is early? It's early 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Are you awake at 4 o'clock in the morning? What is early? It could be early in the morning. It could be early in the morning before the weight of the day's business has to get you down and cloud your mind.
It could be early in any given situation, right? All of a sudden, bam, a problem comes, a bill comes, something happens. You go, wow, what am I going to do about this? Pray. I remember one time on the road coming out of the mountains of Carolina, I'd been up there whitewater kayaking. And I got out of the car and I went to tie the kayak down to secure it, you know, make sure that it was tight before we got on the interstate. And a yellow jacket stung me on the arm right there. Well, ordinarily that wouldn't be any situation, but I have an allergy to such things. So we're driving down the interstate, my wife and I, and suddenly I'm, I'm laboring to breathe. You know, the, my airways are being constricted and, you know, I'm flush and, and, and I'm, not doing, I'm not feeling so good. And I finally, I, I, naturally I put it off, I'm okay, yep, that, okay. And finally, I told the wife, I said, you know, the next time you see one of them hospital signs, maybe we better, <laughs> maybe we better go there. And the, and the wife, my wife, spoke very spiritual words. She says, why don't we pray? <laughs> and suddenly, epiphany goes off, and I said, let's pray. Well, we prayed, and you know, the Lord opened up my lungs and my airways, and I was just fine, and we went on about our way. So sometimes we forget where our help comes from. First, we should pray. We should seek the Lord. In these situations from these kings that we have just read about, who did all that was right in the eyes of the Lord, we find when they did not seek God. So we need to always ask God. We need to always ask God in all things. I'm not just talking about the great big things that we think, oh, well, you know, I... I, I need $100,000, or, I, you know, I, I need to get the roof fixed, and I don't have that, or the car just broke, whatever. Not the big things, but in all things, every day. What should we pray? What should we pray when we get up in the morning? Should we seek the Lord? Yes, seek the Lord in His direction. Why? Because when we go out that door to our job or to whatever we're doing, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to see you working in my day. I want to see you moving in not just my life, but I want to see you moving in the lives of those around me. Because if I see your direction, I'm going to know how to answer because you're going to give me the word. You may send me. If I know the situation, you may use me to minister. After all, who am I? I'm a minister of what? Reconciliation, right? We are not ministers of condemnation, nor are we judges to condemnation but we are ministers of reconciliation. But in order to know where we are to go, where we are to walk, where we are to speak, we need to be led of God. Or else we just might get in the way, just like Josiah here, and go out, well, that's a pagan king. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to get right in the middle of it. How do you know God didn't send him? He sent that king. And you get in the way of God. I tell you what, if, if anything through my years, I've learned just about not to trust anything that I may think that I know. <laughs> I want God. How do I, how do I change? How do I, how do I not be conformed to the world? The Word says that I am transformed and renewed by the reading of the Word. 
How can I possibly know how to walk? How can I get up? Solomon, when he prayed, when he was to become king, he prayed to God and he said, God, give me wisdom. How can someone judge your people, such a great people? And the prayer so pleased God that he told Solomon, he says, because you've not asked for riches and honor, but ask for wisdom to judge my people, you will be the wisest one who ever lived. And not only that, but I'm going to give you all the money too. Huh? How many likes that? I like to get all the money too. Huh? Let's, let God, let's let God bless us beyond what we ask. What pleases God in our prayer? How will we know what pleases God in our prayer? You better know. Because if we pray amiss, we don't receive. How will I know? You know through that word. Now you might sit here and say, well, tell me, tell me. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. You've got to know. You've got to know the character of God. You've got to mind that word and learn of the Lord. He says, learn of me. And then when you start knowing the character of God... You will, start be move, you will start moving in the right direction. And all during the process, grace covers you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. When we mess up, just like the king did, he says, oh, we've been doing it all wrong. Because you humbled yourself. When you find out and you read in that word, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I'll be sitting in my office reading that word and stop dead in my tracks and say, oh, God. Uh, you... Sorry. <laughs> you better help me there. You know. So I love them that love me and those who seek me early. Early as in any given situation. Isaiah 1, 17 through 19 says, Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the, judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. And I love this next line. It says, Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. I love that. I love that, that the Lord would say to me, Come now, come to me now, and let us reason together. In other words, God is going to give you information. He's going to give you wisdom. Let, but he also says, let us, re, let us reason together. So God is listening to you. I'd like to be in a position, <laughs> I'd like to be in a position to give to God something that He wants to hear. Huh? Not praying amiss. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How many here are willing? And through God's grace I can be obedient. In James 4.10, it says, In the sight of the Lord, as continually in the presence of Him, who alone is worthy to be exalted, recognizing His presence in all your ways. Recognize God's presence in all your ways. The truest incentive to humility, the tree, the tree. We see a tree, but a tree grows upward, but it's got to send its roots deep, doesn't it? So a man to be exalted must have his mind deep-rooted in humility. 
In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, namely, in His dealings of providence. Providence, protective care of God, or the nature of His spiritual power. Humble yourself in the nature of God's spiritual power. Humble yourself to God in His providence that He knows best. Now, now I'm going to tell you, you say that. We, we all love that. We all love that. Like we loved it when, when, as a kid when our parents would say, now I want you to do that. Well, why should I do that? Because I said so. Yes. Didn't we all love that? <laughs> because you said so. Why did you say so? Why indeed did God say so? The ball is in your court. You need to know why God said so. You need to know the character of God and who He is. What kind of God is the God we serve? What kind of character does He have? When you, when you learn that, when you start abiding in the Word and learn the character of God, suddenly what happens is that character starts showing up in your life. Suddenly you start walking in the things that God has intended you to walk in. That's why from the very beginning at the Mount, when He designed that, He wanted those people to have a personal relationship with Him. It's not good enough for you to walk in a relationship that someone else has with God. You'll not arrive. You'll not have victory. And how does it all come about? Ask! Ask God. Humble yourself. Say, it's okay if you're sitting in your prayer closet and you say, God, I don't have one idea what you're talking about. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, He knows it anyway. <laughs> but for you to humble yourself and say, God, I don't know what you're talking about. I need you to, lead, I need you to open that word and give me understanding of it. God opposes, this is in 1 Peter 5, uh, 5 and 9, it says, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God. At the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, because He cares for you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking to, for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Why should I be equipped with the Word of God? One is I, need to, I can recognize the enemy. I can recognize the work of the enemy. Sometimes I don't recognize the work of the enemy. I get in a big battle in a fight or a war only to realize that, oop, you know, it's like that Homer Simpson where he goes, oop. I, I should have known that. It's the devil. It's the enemy trying to rob my joy. Why? Well, I'm not going to put up for that. And then we can stand against it, but we need to recognize it. Remember in Isaiah 55, 8, where we said, uh, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. However, good news. Good news, church. Good news, church, because in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was here, ministered on the earth, and when He left, He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And He will not only be with you, but He will be inside you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And He will lead and guide you in all truths. All, everybody say, all, all truths, all truths. Not some truths, 
but all truths. Who is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us? If we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new creation in Christ Jesus, we are not created after the sinful nature of man, but the new man, the Holy Spirit in us. What? No flaws. Zero defects. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, that's something to be happy about. Jesus in me, zero defects, no flaws. I am a vessel, a vessel to the Holy Spirit. My only problem is to let go and let God arise. <laughs> Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. This is in Romans 8.26, if you're writing this down. But the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints. How? Who? How? According to the will of God. Oh, man. I got God living inside of me. I'm all taken over by God. The Holy Spirit's in me. He makes intercession for me according to the will of God. Who am I that I would not allow the Spirit of God, which God gave me, to gird me up and cause me to walk in my character to be visible? My, you know, we got visible characters, don't we? Or we are a visible character. I don't know. <laughs> We got visible characters. Now, sometimes it's a little stinky. You know, it's not, you know, uh, but the character of God is not the character of God. What? The character of God brings joy, brings peace, and the character of God also draws. It draws because it, the Word of God says that, you know, they'll look upon you and they'll say, what is about those people? What is their reason for rejoicing? Why are they like that? Boy, you know, they always seem to be happy. They, they seem to have the answer. They seem to have the peace, the peace in all situations. It's like, what, did they just win the lottery? No, I know they didn't. I know that piece. I've been to their house. <laughs> they need to dust. He makes intercession according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Now, if I ask the question, and I don't think I need to, would, it, would you rather it be your will? We say this, not our will, but God's will. Wouldn't we rather God's will because we know God's will is better than our will? Our fleshly will, right? And <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not fight against the will of God. Okay? So if you say, well, the Spirit is telling me to go this, but it's contrary to His Word, then maybe you better can ask about the Spirit again. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. These secret things. Now, I know in Isaiah he says, well, my ways are better than your ways. They're higher than your ways. He says, but here's what we have. We have the Holy Spirit. And God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. That's, that's a lot. You need to know. If, 
if I would cut this down to the end or just the, you know, says, well, give it to me, Pastor, in one word. Uh, trust the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Because He knows the mind of God. Amen. Ezekiel uh, 3, 10 and 11 says this. Let all my words sink deep in your own heart first. He's telling the prophet this. Now the prophet is going to be sent to give a word to the, to the nation of Judah and Israel. But when I read this, I thought, boy, is this, this, this jumps right out at me. Let, let me own this. Let me live this. Let my words sink deep into your heart first. First, listen to them carefully for yourself. Then you can go to the people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. If you let the Word of God sink into you first, then you can go to those in exile. Who's in exile? To the lost, to the hurting, to those that don't know Christ. But we have to have the Word of God in us first. Remember what we read too, the eyes of the Lord searches the whole earth in order to strengthen those hearts. I love, the Lord searches the whole earth in order to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to Him. So don't be a fool. The definition of a fool is doing the same thing, expecting different results. Right? Guilty. A couple weeks ago, as I was uh, in the Lord, I, I've been reading this and have been going over it over in my mind, who these people are, why? Where were you in this, God? And I, I, I read the, uh, the morning light, and Pastor Nick had on there Hebrews 11:6, And without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And this is the part that I own and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. How can I know your character, God? How can I live for you? How can I stop thinking this about that person over there? Ever been there? <laughs> How can I not do this? How can I have more love in my heart? How can I be more effective or whatever for the kingdom of God? How can I, in other words, how can I know your character? How can I be like you? I want to be like Jesus. I want to have the character of God. How can I do that? Those who diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder of those. And I, and I thought, the Holy Spirit told me, said, you know, you state and you know that the, that the Word of God is, transforms your mind, renews you and transforms you, then what do you do? Read the Word, read the Word, Read the Word. Read the Word. Pray for the Holy Spirit for wisdom in that Word. Let that Word transform you to know God's character. Now the Word says that this, says this, that when we go, right? When we go, it says, we will be, we will know Him. Why will we know Him? Because we will be like Him. When this mortality puts on immortality. But make no mistake, church, make no mistake that you can walk in the Spirit and have the character of God Almighty because the Holy Spirit lives in you.
Peter was a good example of it when he came out. You know, there's many people, Peter and John, they said, when Peter and John came, they said, well, look at these guys. Well, we, um, something's amazing because we see these guys and these are unlearned. And I thought about it when I read it. I said, these are unlearned stupid people. <laughs> That's about when I read it. I thought, well, they're saying, well, you know, it, God must really be with you, uh, Jerry, because you're so stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what, that's what you're saying. Like, there's Peter and John. You go, well, thanks a lot, you know? <laughs> so, but they said they reasoned that they, that he had, that they had been with Jesus. Why, you know, they, in other words, they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, of the uh, religious, you know, hierarchy. You know what I mean? They weren't the pastors or the teachers or they weren't the, the, the scribes of the laws as they were fishermen and they were common people. Says, well, man, you must have been with Jesus. Well, you know, when you, and Peter, when he come out and he says, in the shadow, his very shadow went across and, and healed those that even the shadow went across. Well, you know what? That's you. That's you when you come out of your prayer closet. So, so maybe you better go cast a shadow on somebody as soon as you come out of there before the world starts taking away what, you know, that high that you were on when you were in there with Jesus. Seek me early so that I may be found. Because when you're in that prayer closet and the character of God comes upon you and you read about the Lord and you have lifted up according to His will and you know it's according to His will because the Holy Spirit has directed your prayer. You know when you go to that job, you know when you go out there, it says, well, I know what God, I know what God intends to do. I know what He wants done. And I have the character of God. Christ is in me. And they're going to say, <laughs> what is it with you? I know you're not that good. <laughs> because the Spirit of the Lord was in you. The message is ask God. Ask God in everything. Don't leave your life to chance. Not even the smallest little thing. Because the smallest little thing turns into big things. Amen? Let's everybody stand.